Welcome to the Plastics and Beyond podcast, an SBE-sponsored podcast supporting a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforce. I am your host, Lillian Judy, and I invite you to join me every month for new diverse conversations. Welcome to another episode of the Plastics and Beyond podcast. And I'm really excited today for our next guest because she's someone that does a lot in the plastic space. And I feel like she's personally mentored me as I've tried to figure out my way out in the plastics industry. So today we have Lindsay Nebel and welcome, Lindsay. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing Thanks. today? I am just lovely. There's a snowstorm coming in and I am all bundled I know. up. I know. I woke up in the snow on my car and I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> Very disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lindsay, can you tell our listeners and viewers who you are? Maybe they've heard about you. Maybe they've seen your picture all over. But like, can you tell people who is Lindsay and what do you do? Um, yeah. So I am Lindsay Nubble. I have been in the industry for about... 15 years. I am uh, currently work at Cytiva, upstream product quote engineer. I'm pretty sure I messed up the order of those words. Um, and I am also on the executive board for SPE, um, which also means I sit on the diversity, equity, and inclusion board. Uh, and I am co host of the other uh, SPE podcast, Plastics. So how did you end up in plastics? Like for me, my story is always, I stumbled into plastics engineering. I didn't know it existed. How did you figure out that you wanted to do plastics and how did you even find the the program? Same. Um, okay. I 100% stumbled into it. I uh, My high school had a tabletop injection molding machine, which wild um and very dangerous the way we did it but that's fine it was the 2000s nobody cared um and so i was talking to my guidance counselor and he made it sound like i had to take this class i took this class it was all about like manufacturing processes um and we used the tabletop injection molding machine we had a little bitty rot uh rotational molder cutest little thing um and i maybe a couple other like secondary plastics things and uh, I thought that was a cool class. Nothing you can do with that. Put that folder away. And I took some random quiz that was like, what should you be? Because I was going to be a music major, um, but I had injured my wrist in, you know, the old fashioned cheerleading accident. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I couldn't play as much. So I was trying to think, like, what are my other options? And uh, I stumbled into plastic and I'm from just south of Buffalo, New York, and I saw that there's school in Erie. Um, I did also set up a visit for UMass Lowell, um, okay. <laughs> but I was accepted to Penn State before, and I was like an hour and a half away from home. It's closer. Good. Yeah. <laughs> a good stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you were in college, what would you say the, I don't want to say percentage, but what did the classrooms look like? So, and you my, can you can explain it gender, race, everything, anything. <laughs> um. So, as I'm sure we've all guessed, my class was very white, um, 100. 
Um, mm-hmm. And there were 36 of us and there were four women. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we actually had one of the largest um, ounce of women in our class at the time, which, you know. Compared to other engineering? Uh, compared mm-hmm. to, well, compared to other engineering and compared to um, other plastics classes. Mm. Most classes were carrying one to two women. Occasionally, you get a class where it's like six women, eight women. It's like holy cow! But um, yeah, we we have four, so we were really boosting the numbers. Uh, and I Penn State Barron, especially at the time, um, was a much. Uh, I think the ratio of men to women was like sixty percent men. Um, Actually, it might have been like 65, 70% men. It was like mm. 30% women. Like that was, that's what they called the barren ratio. Um, they have added a lot more courses that have drawn a lot more women. Um, and I would like to think that there are a lot more women no. choosing, you know, male dominated fields now, but um, it not be as much of the case as I would like it to be. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think that's um, relative to my experience as well. We were, um, I mean, we had a bit of diversity. There were a number of Indians in plastics, most of them international students who came from out of the country. But my group, we were, I think we started off as four women. One dropped out. I was the only Black. Um, The other girl was African-American I was black from Africa. The other girl was African-American. Um, and it was just, we basically stuck together. So, <laughs> right. And, right. And so in that time, or, I mean, you were pretty young then, I would assume. During that time, did anything stand out to you regarding how the lack of diversity in your classes or in this degree yeah, I mean, I was a pretty shy person coming mm-hmm. into college. Um, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely found a lot of my footing in be, by being in engineering. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was very intimidating, um, and honestly, uh, I, so I did, there was an, actually another woman who was in um, the plastics. Our, my plastics class with me and she dropped very early on and uh-huh. like I thought her and I were going to be like besties and when she dropped I felt very alone very isolated um because the other two women I didn't really know and then there was another woman that I was like all right I think I can I think I can bond with her but like he knew a lot of um the guys from our class because she had gone to school with them high school with them so like she was already kind of in, um, so I felt very I- intimidated. Um, I wasn't sure. I was like, "What? Why did I? Was this the right call? I'm paying out of state tuition. I'm here by myself." Like, I, and honestly, um, if it weren't for the fact that my parents were like, "Listen, we're not going to get another loan for you to go to a different school," <laughs> I, I was like, "I just got to stick it out." Like. Yeah, I don't have another choice. Like, if I don't do this, I don't go to school. So mm-hmm. figure it out. Like, you will figure it out. You will find other people. It'll be okay. Yeah. And I think it's really sad to see that 
it was so bad that you wanted to be out of the program. You know what I mean? For me, it was so bad that I didn't know if I wanted to stay in the program as well, you know, because I couldn't find anyone that looked like me and I couldn't relate as a whole, you know? And I think it's even now, so many years later, I feel like young women are still struggling. Yes, there has been a bit of change and growth and improvement, but I think there's still that. When you look back now, what do you think would have helped you um, deal with that? I think I think some of it could have been, you know, maybe a little bit more formal mentoring from upperclassmen, you know, mm-hmm. women reaching out. Um, I think that could have helped a little bit. I am I, I was still a little shy, so I don't know how much I would have like benefited um, yeah. other than just, you know, being like, oh. um, and I think some of it is stuff you learn along the way. Um, I remember really thinking a lot of the guys in my class, like, what do they know this already? Like, what did they learn in high school that I didn't? Like I was, I was in the top percentage of my class in high school always, what did I miss? These guys are coming in and understanding it. And now I understand that a lot of it was just their attitude, their mentality that like, I mostly got the concept. I'm fine with moving on. Whereas like Mm -hmm. to me as a perfectionist, I really wanted to know the full concept. I wanted to like, I wanted to learn a concept and then be able to teach it immediately. Um, mm. And when I couldn't do that, because, you know, plastics is a whole new ball game from what you're yeah. uh, taught, you know, uh, like I remember one time we were learning about slides in injection molds and I just could not wrap my head around it, like could not. And finally I got the nerve up to ask um, one of my professors, I said, Hey, can I go in the lab and get slides? Like, I just, I, I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And when and he, so he announced it to the class. He said, I'm going down the lab. I'm going to show, show you what a slide looks like. And I remember, I think like 14 people came down and I was like, you wow. guys don't get it either. <laughs> like, wow. It just, it felt like it was just me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was it was so many more Everyone. people. And I, yeah. and I think if I had known going in, like, you are on the same page as everyone else. Nobody else has the advantage. I mean, there's the occasional kid that's like worked in a plastic <laughs> factory since, you know, they're born. But, you know, overall, you're pretty much on the same page. Like, yeah. And I didn't have the, the you know, the foresight to see that. I, I, I thought I was the only one behind. And that mm-hmm. added to the isolation. Yeah. And I think it's a confidence issue as well, because I also lacked a lot of confidence. And I remember vividly, we had this exam. I really don't remember what it was, probably fluid flow. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was one of those classes where, like, if you had the previous year's um, exams, like, it was pretty similar. So it's good to study with you know, the papers from the year before and all that we were all in the library studying. And I saw that the guys had gathered around, like, you know, working through a paper 
And I realized that they got that information from their dorms, right? And the girls, because there aren't a lot of girls, we like where are we getting that from? So my friend and I had to literally push ourselves into the guys' conversations and say, Oh, what are you guys looking at? Can we join? And they were they were they were receptive, but we had to be confident enough to step up to them and, you know, do that. And literally the exam was literally like a replica. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, this is what we are missing out on. Yeah. There's no, we're not confident enough in ourselves, but then there's also so many resources out there that we may not even be aware of, you know, and that's even just on a college level. Right. Right. When yeah. you, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, you know, I, I know we were just talking, I spent the week at, or past two days at Women Breaking the Mold. And yeah. a lot of what we were talking was how this, like, this access to the next level or this access to information or, you know, to the higher ups or to the people yeah. making the decisions. It's always, not always, it's typically passed down to people that are, friends or friendly or like-minded or like each other or, you know, oh, you know, you went to this college, you were in this fraternity here, let's pass that down because you're my brother. And it's like, it, it cuts off such a big yeah. portion of people <laughs> and it gives us no in-roots for access exactly. unless we force our way in. Exactly. And I think in that case, um, so when I was coming up in college, I thought I needed to have a female mentor, right? And it wasn't until after I graduated, that's when I realized that in reality, with the industry that I find myself in, I most likely would benefit from having a white male mentor, Right. And that's it's sad that that's these are the specifics of it, but that's really what it is. And I say that you have truly mentored me because when I came for um, um, Antec this year, 2022, you literally like I I'm shy as well. You wouldn't believe it, (laughs) but I had to come to you and, you know, like I, because I feel confident and safe enough to be able to talk to you. And so I came to you on multiple occasions, like, oh, I want to meet people. Like, I don't know anyone. And you held my hand and introduced me to some of the most amazing people, amazing men that I have met with so much knowledge who are willing to help, willing to support. And imagine someone who doesn't have access to you, who has the access now, right? Well, in my opinion, <laughs> um, what does that person do? You know, so cutting off the access is very real and very true. But I want to pivot to, okay, now you graduated from college, you're working. How was your, um, how was your interviewing process like when you were working regarding like confidence, being confident in yourself and interviewing with, in rooms with all these guys and, you know, just Maybe if you are like me, you probably felt small in some of the rooms. How was that entire experience for you? So, um, you know, I I feel like I had a probably less than typical interviewing experience because I graduated at the height of the recession. 
for like right as it was ramping up um so my class was really just trying to survive and it was if somebody offered you a position you take it it. (laughs) and um i had previously taken an internship at um a company in butler um called pittsburgh plastics and it was it was a fun company to work for. Um, it just wasn't injection molding, which is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say gave me a lot of experience with like two part, uh, <laughs> thermal sets and, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it was a good, interesting adventure, but, um, it wasn't, you know, I wanted to come out and I wanted to be on a custom injection molding floor and, you know, watching molds get built and run and all that stuff. Um, so I will say the interview process for me was fairly simple, but it's because there were only, I only interviewed for two places um, because there were so few offers on the table, like, mm-hmm. like um, just all around. I think everyone in my class got a job, but it was, it was one of those situations where it was like, Whew, we're in. And then, um, had I taken the other offer I had, uh, I would have been laid off within three months. So yeah. that position went right away. So, um, it was, it was not ideal, but, um, you know, I stayed there for a year and a half like that. And then, um, there was an offer for, um, a job that was injection molding back in Erie, kind of like you know, what I wanted. And I have been very fortunate that I have had people that, you know, have been allies for me. Um, and I know this is something to talk about, you know, allies different than a, you know, a mentor and all that stuff and ally someone who will, or I guess champion probably mixing up the words. Um, but you know, someone who will say your name when you're yeah. not around. Yeah. And I had, I was very fortunate that, um, in this job, a friend of mine had said, I know someone that I think would be really great for this position. Um, and he mentioned my name and, um, thankfully I was able to interview the small injection molding company it was a little intimidating, um, especially because, you know, your friend's putting your name up. You don't want to yeah. <laughs> let him down. Um, but thankfully, I think it was a fairly straightforward interview. So I didn't, you know, the more interviews you do, I, I'm your classic millennial job hopper. Um, the more <laughs> you can kind of build up that experience, that confidence and Kind of be like, well, you're talking to me, so I must have something to offer you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I love that you threw the word ally out there because that's where I want us to go next. In the professional field now, you've been working for a number of years. How do you identify these allies? Like, how do you position yourself to be connected to someone who can mention your name in rooms you can never find yourself in? So I think, you know, I know a lot of women don't like to like brag about themselves, 
I don't, I am also in that category, but I think I am a hell of a matchmaker. (laughs) Um, I feel like one of my strengths is being able to, you know, meet people and see where, and not that they can benefit me. Um, that sounds a little selfish, but you know, I, I do a lot for SPE. I do a lot for the, uh, the foundation. I try and keep these people in mind um, for when an opportunity could come up that they would be great for. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's been several times where I've helped uh, Eve Vitale, you know, uh, the chair of the foundation, uh, brainstorm names for people that could, you know, fit on different committees or have connections. And I think the way that my mind kind of works is when I meet someone, um, I mean, I, I like meeting people. I'm, I, I am, I'm one of those introvert extroverts. So like, I always have a certain level of energy <laughs> that I, I melt. Um, but I, I do like meeting people and seeing what their strengths are and, you know, seeing, um, what they can, what they have to offer or where, you know, where we can work together again. You know, some people are just really fun. Um, I just met a woman at the conference yesterday and her name was Kiana Key and she works for um, Continental Tire. She's in rubber, but she was one of the best speakers I have ever seen in my entire life. Wow. And so like in my mind, like I have her name on like a short list of like, what can I do to reconnect with her or, mm-hmm. you know, put her name forward for something else? Like, you know, and not to say she's going to take these things because maybe, she, you know, like she's got a full plate, <laughs> but she was just so inspiring. I want to be able to, you know, meet up with her again or yeah be in the same room as her again. And I think I'm always kind of keeping lists of where can these people go? And so, you know, I guess other end of that, if you're the person looking to be mentioned or to be, you know, put up for something, it's really about meeting people and like highlighting what your interests are, not Mm -hmm. even your strengths necessarily. I mean, if you got great strengths, then yeah, throw them out there or, you know, like, Hey, by the way, I'm really good at like video editing, editing, you know, some of them might be like, Oh, that might actually be something I could use, you know, but if there's passions, you know, find the people that are doing that and just mention it to them. It doesn't mean, you know, they'll have room for you on a committee right away or whatever, but we're always looking for people. We're always keeping people in mind, always want new, fresh ideas. Like, and so it's as much as like the introduction part uh, to me is always overwhelming. Like I I feel like I'm terrible at networking events, but um, it's, you know, it's about just making yourself at least seen or, you know, you can reach out on LinkedIn. Like it doesn't have to be in person. It can be virtual. That does take a lot of the edge off. You know, and it, and it doesn't, like, that's another thing. Like when I do see these people, I try and connect with them and just try and shoot them a message, you know, and if I'm really interested in like keeping them on like, or a foundation or whatever, I, I shoot them a message just say, Hey, how how have you been? Like, 
or I saw this article that you were in. It was awesome. Good job. You know, just little shout outs to let them know you're thinking of them. It keeps your name on their mind and vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think you've kind of answered my next question already. (laughs) I was going to say, what are some, um, tips or suggestions that you can give to young women graduating from college or already in the industry, but trying to do more and trying to connect with the right people. I would say being connected with SBE has really helped me a lot with that. And I don't know how early you were connected to SBE, but cause you do a lot, a lot of you're on like a lot of communities. Like I, I didn't want to try to introduce you, because I didn't want to leave one out. <laughs> but you do a lot do. of it's really inspiring, honestly, because you're also a mom. You're also a wife. And I feel like being able to do all these things, having all these extra titles, it's like, it's really impressive. One last thing, or before I move forward, do you actually have something to add to that? Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, being an SPE is... Um, you know, a big part of what, what does, you know, drive what I do. So, you know, I think some people look at SPN, like, I I don't know what that, what that does for me. And for me, it has done everything. And a lot of it is that networking that like knowing people and people knowing about me. Um, And so even if you're young professional trying to get into the industry and you don't see the value yet, First of all, your first two years are free. So just quit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have been a member since um, I was a student, but that was because we got bonus points on tests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Fucker for a bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So networking, I guess that's the big overarching right. theme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as a mom, right, and as a working professional in the industry, Do you have concerns about um, there not being enough opportunities for moms to, uh, how do I word this, (laughs) for mothers in general? And what do you think can be done with that? Yeah, I think it's really, it's really hard um, because there is that, that perception sometimes that like, if you're a mom, you're going to be distracted. If you're distracted, you're not going to be a good employee. If you're not a good employee, you're not going to stay, you know, and it's that whole chain. But for me, and I think probably a lot of moms, what drives me is like, so, you know, I have three little boys expecting a fourth mystery baby. Um, And (laughs) I, I want my boys to see me as someone who really commits to what I say I'm going to commit to. Um, I want them to see me as someone who is trying to work outside themselves. Um, I mean, I may be a very selfish person, but I do try (laughs) to do these things. Um, You know, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of studies where um, moms with young boys, uh, if the moms work outside the homes, the boys become better husbands, better fathers. And, you know, I want that for my boys. I want them to be kind. And, you know, they are going to be 
white men someday. I want them to be kind, respectful, you know, always looking to help the next person out. I don't want them to, you know, go down the negative tropes of what they could be, you know? And so I feel like it's my job to make sure that they see me trying to do everything I can and see my struggles and Mm -hmm. see where I'm, you know, left out of the conversation or where I'm, you know, I have to force my way in or where I, you know, am just not considered, um, you know, there are, there have been times where, um, because I do a lot, you know, people have said, you know, if I'm looking for like another opportunity or I'm trying to do something else, people have said to me, you know, like, well, you probably won't be interested because, you know, you've got so much going on. And it's like, yes, I do have a lot going on, but let me manage my schedule. Yeah. I will be responsible for my schedule, not you. If Mm -hmm. I can't do it, I should be a person to let you know. Mm -hmm. And like, even, you know, I've had, um, you know, this coming up with my fourth kid, I've had four different jobs during my kids. So I've had four different types of maternity leave. Some have been paid, some have not been paid. Um, this company I'm at now, Cytiva, I will say has been by far, um, the best company I've worked for. Uh, they're very progressive in their approach. Um, I remember even when I interviewed, we were walking in the engineering department, uh, not when I interviewed, when I came out for like one of my first visits, we were walking through the engineering department and they're like, oh, I think so-and-so's out on maternity leave. And they're like, oh, I think so. Like, it was just mm. so nice to hear that there were yeah. multiple women and multiple women that either just had a baby or were ha- like, I wouldn't be, you know, the exception. And I've exactly. always been the exception. And, you know, even sitting on the executive board, you know, I've had maternity leaves and I've said, okay, guys, like, I have done a lot. I am now taking my maternity leave. Only if it's an emergency, but otherwise I'm going to be like healing and growing here. And, uh, and not that they haven't been supportive of it, but it, I think it was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you do have to do it. Like I, I was the first person to take a maternity leave on the executive board. So, you know, I don't, I, I think some people probably do look upon that negatively. I think I, I, I don't know how much swearing you want on this podcast, but I think I bust my ass enough yeah. to, you know, prove my worth and do a lot and set things up so that when I'm gone on maternity leave, there are still things moving. There are still projects exactly. going, you know, I don't think I'm leaving and just going into a black hole. Uh, I might not physically be there. Um, because, uh, you know, above everything else, I will prioritize my family. Like, mm-hmm. I love the plastics industry, but I will burn it all down for my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, thank you for the transparency, because for me, I'm not yet a mom and I aspire mm-hmm. to be one one day. And that's that's been a thought like in my head for the past couple of years. It's like, am I, how am I going to, you know, handle this? Like. I hope I don't find myself in a situation where I don't want to have to choose. Like, I don't want it to have to be a decision. You know, I, I wanted to be okay. Like it should be part of the 
rules and regulations or whatever that, okay, she's on maternity leave. We yeah. will pick up when she comes back. You know, she can pick up where she left off, you know, and not have to make a decision like, oh, you should do A, B, C, D, E. And so it's inspiring to hear you say you've had four different experiences. And thankfully now this, where you are now has, or is showing um, signs of more forward thinking. Um, I hope this serves as some kind of motivation for anyone else, any other woman who was or has been worrying like myself being an engineer in the industry as well um, when it comes to maternity leave. But Lindsay, I can talk to you for days. (laughs) I I have like so many more questions I want to ask you, but we're running out of time. And before we leave, I want us to end up with this question. What does diversity mean to you? We talked about different aspects of it, in my opinion. You've touched on so many important points, important topics, being a woman in the industry, being a minority, all these different things. What would you say diversity means to you? I think to me, diversity means just, I think I think a bit more on the equity and like inclusion end of things. Um, You know, I think it just means not feeling like you're alone or feeling like you have to change uh, something about yourself in order to do something you want to do. Um, You know, I think it means, you know, you've come to a place where you actually can say, you know, oh, they respected my opinion because I'm smart as hell. Like, (laughs) you know, and I think, and not have, because, you know, there are times where that is the case. It's just because you're smart as hell. And sometimes it's, there are other factors and those little voices saying like, well, it's just because you're a woman or it's just because I didn't want to make you mad or it's just because, you know, and, and I think by, you know, embracing diversity and equity and inclusion and all of that, I think you start to like, off those little voices and we can all just it to me diversity seems like a more relaxing place to be you know and I'm all about being relaxed and you know just taking away some of that tension and that anxiety and um and you know just that those frustrations I think Uh, yeah (laughs) No, that's, 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 I've never heard it from that angle before. Um, But it's, it's relatable, if I can say that. Um, For me, I always struggle to put diversity into words, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe this was kind of like a trick question. Who knows? (laughs) I love a good trick question. (laughs) Um, But it's hard to, you know, there's so many facets to it. And so um, I think... I find that people define it based on where they are in their life at that point, right? And maybe some experiences that they have just experienced, like recently. And so um, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. 
I look forward to coming on the plastics. Um, <laughs> yes, once we get our act together. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been really, really refreshing. And um, thank you so much once again. Congratulations on your fourth child. And um, we look forward to having you back next season. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Well, I hope you learned a thing or two from this episode. And I will definitely see you all on the next episode of the Plastics and Beyond podcast. Mm-hmm.